our unique existence. Uh, actually, the next slide. Okay, so, so right off the bat, Josh, you, you mentioned that first verse, right? Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Um, that's really what has uh, what triggered everything, right? When the word of the Lord came uh, to Jonah. Uh, the Bible doesn't say exactly, like, I mean, how it came to him, just that it did. Uh, but immediate questions, some that rose to my mind are, uh, um, what about us? Do you hear any such word spoken to you? right? Uh, it's a strange phenomenon, right? Like, do you hear it? And then how do we know when this happens? Like, how can we even hear? Right? And how does God speak to us? I think these are some uh, questions that are very re relevant, probably for us. Okay. You know, in today's context, I think it's very difficult to hear God's words spoken to us, right? Um, th there's, uh, first of all, there's a lot of distractions, right? Uh, honestly, nowadays, you don't even have blank moments where you just stare at the ceiling and just kind of run through your thoughts, right? We're not, instead of staring at the ceiling, we're staring at our screens. Uh, and uh, because of that, you know, like the theme I said, deep calls to deep, you know, God speaks in the recesses of the heart, but uh, we don't even know what's going on in there. Uh, but to hear God's voice, I think we need to listen to that deep inner voice uh, in our hearts right uh, and then jonah paul asked a question uh why did uh, god call uh, jonah to nineveh uh, so jonah was called to yeah nineveh that was his particular calling god didn't call choose anyone else god called jonah to go to nineveh in other words this was a, a unique calling for jonah nobody else right God didn't call like either you or you or you or hey, you guys, you people, no, you, Jonah, right? It was a special calling reserved for him. And reflecting on this, you know, uh, as uh, Josh mentioned, there's, or someone, there's not 19 people uh, or well, 18 to, right now, um, 18 very unique lives. No one, none of us have had the same story and it's just like in biologically too every one of you every individual has unique dna that nobody else in this world has and in the same way uh the pattern and shape of each of your lives are meant to be unique irreplicable by anyone else right and so in other words um we're not necessarily all meant to go to nineveh specifically but I think there is a kind of a Nineveh uh, kind of um, orientation for each of us. We have our own Nineveh, right? Um, what that is, we don't necessarily know, but there is a unique orientation and pattern to life that each of us are uniquely called to. And uh, uh, so related to that word calling, when we think of calling, we might think of it initially in terms of like my job or career, but calling in the biblical sense is so much more than that, right? Uh, it's not about what I do in my daily job. It's more about the shape and pattern of our life and existence, right? Uh, and that shape and pattern might eventually affect your job on day-to-day -day level, but not necessarily. It's much greater than that. 
right? And uh, uh, the other thing about a unique existence then is that there is no ready-made template for your life. There is no ready-made template that you fit yourself into. God has fashioned each of us uniquely to live a life that only you can live, right? But what often happens in, in our life, modern life today, or just human life is uh, instead of pursuing that unique life, we try to follow a template, don't we? Right? We seek to go down paths that are kind of prescribed or laid out for us. Uh, and so Jonah, like I said, was uniquely called to go to Nineveh, but he chose to go to Tarshish. I mean, a, a narrative like Jonah, we don't need to go into too much historical uh, detail. Uh, I mean, we can, like Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, and Assyria was a mighty empire that uh, eventually came and conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. So yes, historically speaking, there's some animus between Jonah's people and um, the Assyrians, but, um, uh, but he chose to go to Tarshish, which is like uh, cons considered to be near Spain. So in other words, Nineveh would be northeast, Tarshish was like west, the complete opposite direction, All right? So instead of uh, a life of pursuing his unique calling, he chose to run away. And uh, the interesting thing is more, uh, it says in verse three, he chose to run away, where? From the presence of the Lord. Right? It's a very interesting uh, uh, expression. By running away from his unique calling, he's running away from the presence of the Lord. So in other words, living that unique life that only you are called to is a spiritual life to be li lived that is lived in intimacy with God. You guys see the connection there? Living your own unique life is a spiritual life in deep connection with God. And so when you're running away from your own unique existence and path, you're running away from God. Right. So uh, a, a question, some questions that came to my mind uh, are this, you know, are, are you pursuing your own unique life, one that God has fashioned for you? Right? Or are you running away from your unique existence? Are you perhaps trying to fit your life into a template that is not uniquely yours? Okay. So there's some questions there. I mean, the slides, I can, I'll, I can share this after. You don't have to like uh, uh, try to get every word, but you can try to get the gist of it. So then the, there, there are some good points and questions about this. So about Jonah running away. And what does it signify? I mean, it's a, a life of this life of running away. That's what we see here in Jonah, right? Um, and I think that can uh, depict uh, our lives too, right? I think we all know that too. There's many reasons why we might run away. And I think that's a good exercise to reflect on. Uh, together why we do that uh, but my sense is that the underlying reason ultimately why we run away is fear right could be and that fear uh, again is unique to each of us how it what kind of fear how it manifests it could be a fear of like insecurity or instability fear of loss fear of your own well-being fear of rejection uh, lots of different kinds of fear 
Uh, and the specific fears are as unique as each person, right? Uh, and so part of, I think, living that unique existence is discovering and uncovering these unique fears, right? So another question I had was uh, this, what are the fears that lead you to run away? Uh, and then I think, you know, people like Rocky, Emily, uh, you guys had some good questions. A lot of people say, well, I don't know what my unique calling is, right? That, that's a symptom of, of modern life. Uh, I don't know what my unique calling is, and that's why I'm not pursuing it. Maybe if it was clear, maybe I would, right? That's a very common sentiment today. Um, and that makes sense. I mean, like I said, how many of us actually hear explicit words from God, right? Uh, but what I'm supposed to do, where I'm supposed to go, that really doesn't happen, right? Uh, but here's the question, right? Uh, is not knowing your unique calling, is it pushing you to uh, in greater search of your unique existence? Or is that becoming an excuse to run away? Right? Not knowing your calling, is that pushing you to search even more? Or is an excuse to run away. We know what Jonah did. I mean, Jonah, for him, he knew his calling, but uh, he, he went down and fell, fell asleep. So we're seeing connection between these two things, running away and falling asleep. So I was wondering, are these uh, two things, aside, uh, two sides of the same coin, right? Running away and falling asleep. Uh, when we say we don't know our unique calling, it can be an excuse to fall asleep in life, right? Um, whereas if we don't know that unique kind of calling or shape, we should be seeking it all the harder. You know, Jesus said, uh, uh, ask and you will receive, right? Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. In other words, Jesus is describing what the spiritual life is all about. Uh, all throughout the Bible, it is Psalm 42 is as the deer pants for the water. So my soul longs after you, right? It's life of searching that in itself is our calling. Actually, that's the universal calling for human beings is to live a life of searching. Uh, the other thing is our modern technological society. Sorry, I'm just throwing a lot of thoughts at you right? today. Uh, I won't do this uh, in subsequent weeks, but just today I'm doing this. Uh, it's because I want to set some frame, you know, for our thinking. Our modern technological society, what does it say? It says we need to know everything, right? Uh, that's why we have algorithms that predict um, with great accuracy too, right? These algorithms know everything about us, what we want to buy, our tendencies, what we like, you know. Um, so we can start to become deceived into thinking that our spiritual life is like this too. Uh, but spiritual life is not about knowing, right? Spiritual life is about accepting the great mystery and unknown nature of God, right? Like I said, of which the Bible it becomes a gateway to that greater knowledge. Uh, so spiritual life is about being humble by, and enter, that's why entering by faith into a trusting relationship with God. Uh, and while we don't know, we continually ask God to help reveal. Okay. So instead of asking uh, and searching, just like how Jesus says, sometimes we choose to fall asleep. So a question that I had 
was was this you know when you reflect on your life you know are you asleep in life or in what ways are you sleeping through life all right i'm just doing this today i just want to show you the 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 and this is not even like this is just one uh, interpretation in a way right is, i just want to give you a glimpse of the riches in this one chapter right all right so storms um uh, says such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up right it threatened to break the ship up so i think if you think about it in our lives too there are gonna be many storms right that's a fact of life storms that threaten to break apart our carefully built lives i mean that's what we do right we're carefully building up our lives you know emily's in school some of you have graduated uh you know like ryan and josh and dp you guys are more recent grads and same with gloria and lauren uh, and then others like you know lisa and eugene you guys are now in the crafting your career stage you know we're carefully building up our lives right um but uh, I think we were, well, if we think about it, we know that that can come crumbling down at any moment, right? Uh, our lives are quite fragile, you know, a broken relationship, you know, can break your fragile emotional life, you know, getting fired from a job can break your stable financial life and confidence and things like that, failing a big test in school, right? So storms are a fact of life. But the great question is, uh, 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 what effect uh, do these storms have on us, right? So a good, I think one of you asked a question. In the case of Jonah, why did uh, God unleash a great storm on the boat? You know, what was the purpose of God doing that? Maybe here, I, I want to open this up if there's any uh, thoughts. Why do you think God um, unleashed the storm on the boat? What was God's purpose for doing that? Any thoughts? Okay, then uh, um, I'll advise you. Look, look carefully at the text. What, what was Jonah doing? while this great storm was being unleashed. He was sleeping. Yeah, he was sleeping, right? So does that give a clue? Why did God unleash the storm? To wake him up. To wake him up. I, I, think, I think that makes sense, right? When storms hit us, so sometimes like, uh, think about how you re re respond, right? Often we can respond uh, by becoming angry, right? Becoming bitter or uh, becoming more fearful. <laughs> like, oh man, this happened to me. Yo, I, I, I got to prevent this from happening next time, right? Um, but, and it's not like it, when storms hit us, is it from God or not? That's an open question, right? Sometimes things just happen in life. But the question is, is like, um, uh, does that awaken us in any way, right? I, I think uh, I think that's a very relevant question. So I, I think I wrote it down here too. 
When storms hit us, do they wake us up? Right? Or do they create more fear in us and make us run away even more? Right? I think uh, so, so storms can make us more fearful and make us run away more, but they can also be moments of great awakening. Right? And the Bible is full of stories about that. St. Paul was, uh, uh, he thought he was living a good life. He thought he was doing the right thing. Um, and he was on the way to Damascus to, to continue to do what he thought was right. But, you know, we, we know he was blinded by, by, by light um, and he couldn't see. And uh, then scales fell off from his eyes, right? So in other words, he had an awakening. He was like, oh my goodness, the life that I, I thought was good was not good. I thought I was a good person, but I'm not, right? And then his life orientation completely changed after that. Moses, same thing. First 40 years of his life, he lived in the palace in Egypt. The next 40 years after he ran away and he lived in Midian, just that was his running away life. But then I think internally, because of his experiences, he had that conflict. Am I an Egyptian or a Hebrew, right? And I think that nagged at him until finally there came that moment of crisis uh, when he met, uh, when he encountered the, the burning bush. That was his moment of awakening, right? That my calling is actually to go back to my people, the Hebrews, and use the knowledge I have uh, of the Egyptians growing up in the palace to use that, right? So storms can be moments of awakening, right? All right, so there, there's that. And then a lot of you guys had some good questions too about uh, the storm. So uh, this was what stood out to me too from this. Only God can seize the storm, right? Uh, and you guys had some questions about the sailors. Uh, I think, yeah, if you look at it, the sailors, they were genuine folks, I think, it seems like. They were good folks. They actually tried not to throw Jonah overboard, right? They tried to paddle even harder to, towards the shore. Um, but, and they tried to throw cargo overboard, but in the end, they couldn't do that, right? Uh, only God could make the storm stop. You know, if, if you think about our own lives, we're, we're all blessed with family and friends, and, and they help us out a lot in life. But there are some things that others cannot solve for us, right? And living out your unique life is something that others cannot do for you. There are some things that are can only be between you and God, really. So when you're not living out your unique life, uh, it, um, I think if you examine it closely, there's going to be a lot of storms that arise from it, right? Maybe lack of inner peace, uh, feelings of restlessness, uh, maybe lack of passion, lack of joy. These storms can take manifest in many different ways, right? Uh, these are storms that come from life running away, right? And no one else can make those storms stop. Uh, we, we try in many ways to quell this unease, uh, this disquiet within us, but nothing will do it. Only God can make that stop. And, um, that'll stop when uh yeah so actually a question i had was yeah what storms are you or have you experienced that no one else could stop 
Okay, so that's just another question of reflection. And then a lot of you had very good observations about Jonah taking responsibility, right? Uh, God stopped the storm basically only after Jonah took responsibility. Yeah, I'm almost done here, right? Um, he, he finally took responsibility for his life. He, he was awakened from his sleep, right? Uh, and as a lot of you identified, he was aware that the storms were a result of him running away, right? He didn't know uh, what would happen once he was thrown into the sea. Uh, I think Lisa or one of you asked. Uh, he, he most likely probably would have died, right? But he took responsibility nonetheless. And so um, that calling, that unique path in life, right? What does it tell us? I think it begins when we take responsibility for my life, right? Not relying on others to make the decisions for you, but when you take responsibility for your life. And taking responsibility can seem, right? Like diving into the raging sea. It's a great unknown because we don't know what will happen when we take responsibility. It can be fearful, but answering the call to live my unique life begins with taking that responsibility and plunge. So a very important question here is this. Have you taken responsibility for your life or have you been living a life of running away? If we just ended it there, I mean, that, that's, that's very daunting though, right? It, it's quite daunting. But there's, there's some good news here. Yeah, there's God's ever pursuing, and this is not grammatically very whatever, but God's ever pursuing pursuit of us and intimacy with God, right? Uh, this is the last section. So uh, this is a story about Jonah but it's also a story about God, right? And in fact, perhaps this is more a story about God than it is about Jonah, right? This alludes to what Paul was saying near the end. It's about uh, the God who calls, right? And in this particular story, God chose to call Jonah, but it's about the God who calls. God called Abraham. God called Jeremiah. God called Isaiah. Uh, ultimately, God called Jesus, right? It's about the God who calls. That's the story of the Bible. And when the recipient of that call runs away, God does not leave that person alone, right? God pursues. This happened in, even at the very beginning in the Garden of Eden when uh, Adam and Eve, when they were hiding from God, God came uh, pursuing after them, saying, where are you? Right? God pursues. God tries to awaken the person from their sleep and God may even allow calamity to come to us, uh, but God is the God who pursues. And that's the, that's the good news. You know, uh, God never really gives up pursuing. Uh, but then many people ask, right, in this world, why does God seem so absent? You know, where is God? I don't, I don't see or feel God. But for me, maybe the real question is, are we really listening? Right? Are we really listening? Uh, the difficulties and challenges that you face in your life, are they awakening you and opening your eyes? Or are you just becoming more blinded by fear from the challenges and difficulties? Okay, so I just want to leave that. There's the good news that God always pursues us and never gives up. 
Um, I was going to read through this, but uh, um, th th this Psalm 139, this reminds me of, uh, of what Jonah is experiencing, right? You can read it on your own time, but I'll, I'll show it to you. Okay, I'll read it, the first bit, right? Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from far away, right? You search out my path and my lying down. Okay, uh, you hem me in behind and before me. In verse seven, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shoal, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Okay, this is a beautiful psalm. And it really expresses uh, a lot of those things. So when I look at Jonah, this is uh, the concluding part. Um, uh, some of you, who mentioned this? Um, Michelle, uh, Michelin. You, you mentioned that you sense that Jonah had some sort of intimacy with God. Yeah, I agree. I think somehow Jonah already had some intimacy with God. Uh, and I think I sense that he had some history with God. Uh, maybe in the in next week's chapter, I'll share a bit of what uh, some of the uh, Jewish rabbis thought um, in the medieval times, uh, how they interpreted Jonah. But uh, um, I think this is why Jonah was able to hear God. Emily, I mean, that was your question, right? If we can hear clearly, then maybe it's easier. But so Jonah was able to hear God because he had this knowledge of God. Uh, he just didn't like what he heard, right? So that's a different story. So it's not, it's not a model for us, but it shows that Jonah had this. But our problem, I think, in the modern, modern world is that we have trouble um, having this intimacy with God in the first place, right? Uh, because we're trying to hear God amidst all the noise in our lives, right? Um, but but uh, God is not necessarily found in all the noise. I was going to give an example about Elijah, but I'll do that maybe another time. But the, the bottom line is, uh, I think I mentioned, God speaks quietly in the recesses of our hearts. So we have to uh, cultivate practices of listening closely to our, our hearts, right? What... Uh, the, the, the deep inner voice. And it takes discipline, it takes cultivation and time. Uh, I mean, the prophet Jeremiah even said that the heart is deceitful above all else. Because often we believe what we want to believe, right? And we think that's our heart speaking. When, when in fact, it might just be some emotions that are speaking, some desires that are speaking, right? I mean, as complex human beings, we have many different emotions and thoughts. Uh, fears and desires are all mixed together. So it can be hard to distinguish. And so that takes time to distinguish all that. And this is where God comes in. God comes and helps us. So the closer and deeper we listen to our hearts is really where we meet God. So we need to always, I think, reflect on what's going on uh, in our hearts. We need to ask God for clarity to know our heart. And so Psalm 139 at the very end is uh, uh, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Right? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Okay? That's where God comes and helps. So the final question uh, that I had on this slide 
Oops. How clearly can you hear God's voice in your heart? How attuned are you with your own heart? All right. That's, uh, that's kind of it for today. I mean, I, I, I wasn't sure about time, how it was going to go. So uh, I'll leave these questions with you. What questions or points from this resonated with you? Uh, we won't do number two for now, but uh, maybe uh, just uh, for a few minutes. Normally, I'll try to end this by 9 p.m., okay? Because uh, just so you can budget your time. Uh, and uh, I was going to originally break you out into small groups, so we won't do that today. But uh, just any general reflections or thoughts you want to share with the big group? Yeah, my thoughts are just reflecting on everything. Um, the whole passage, the way that our mind works, I mean, ever since like cavemen and so forth, is that when we're faced with adversities, we either engage in a fight or flight mode, right? And it's interesting that the, sail the sailors were, were forced in a, in a place where they had to fight because, I mean, that's their livelihood even threw away the cargo <laughs> I mean that, that's pretty cool but the with Jonah he chose just flight and that is in alignment with why he was even on the boat in the first place so it's just kind of cool to see how both are represented here in mm -hmm. relation to the questions you were asking as well yeah I think when it comes to um, searching for our unique path and existence in life that should be a fight or flight thing, right? It, 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 it's a fight to find my unique path in existence in life. It's a fight, yeah. Otherwise, we are having flight. I, I, I think it's very binary that way. So I think I, I agree with that part, David, yeah. Good, anything else? I think the whole concept of this unique path uh, is unfortunately very daunting for people. Um, the inability for most to find this, what you kind of, what you conceive of as a unique, like my calling, my path, my, this is what I'm meant to do versus this is how I should lead my life. You know, uh, I lead the way I lead my life in a way that I believe God uh, will be honored um, versus, you know, I need to go and be a missionary and give up my whole, you know what I mean? Like, like that, that kind of like, oh, I need to go to a city and solve the problems and change the world in this way as a unique calling is something that I don't like, like, I don't know if I have that. Maybe I will one day. Right. But I want to, I also want to hope that I am choosing a path in my life that is that, but maybe not so like, you know, straight and narrow directionally it's kind of more like an all-encompassing this is how i live to honor god kind of thing right so um i just don't want i don't want to feel like it's daunting for myself or for others but that's a big scary you know picture that you're trying to paint for and not you but like just for us to find that that's you know that's a big deal mm -hmm. Good. Any responses to Paul? I think like, um, you know, we've been doing, some of us anyway, have been doing TBS for over 10 years. And one of the common themes, like no matter what 
we're reading or studying that seems to come up is like this theme of calling, but also connection with God. So I really like today how, you know, you talked about um, living our unique existence and living in connection with God, how those do kind of go hand in hand together when we're so deeply connected to God or, or even like um, continu continually, continually searching for God and searching for that connection, um, then like the almost natural byproduct is knowing our ourselves, like, like you said, like um, knowing what's in our heart and then knowing what that calling is. Because I think like sometimes we look at calling as something in pursuit of something because that's how we, we learn things, right? Like, oh, I'm going to learn about this so I can do this. Like if I um, work towards this goal, I'll achieve it. But something so like um, intangible as calling, you know, it's hard to think about in a way of something that we achieve because we don't even know, right? But when we're so deeply connected, it's like all these things just go hand in hand together. So I, I, I like this, um, yeah, living our unique existence and just like continually searching um, and being connected to God. And maybe we'll, mm -hmm. I don't know, learn what our calling is in the end. That's right. It's about existence, not what we do, right? Um, uh, so I think maybe that's the most important question is, are you attuned with your heart? Uh, and if you are, uh, that is where you, that connection happens. I think that is the fundamental, right? It's not, uh, even, I mean, Paul, what you said is the dauntingness. Uh, uh, we, we feel daunted when we feel like we have to um, go along with some sort of template then. Yeah, if I'm a Christian, then do I need to be a missionary? Like, that's already a, a template, right? Um, rather than uh, my own unique existence, you know? Uh, uh, that that is the important part part of calling i think so yeah. sure just uh, what paul was saying about you know when you think about it kind of forward looking in terms of what the calling is it can be very daunting but i think a lot of this seems to be uh you connect the dots in hindsight in many ways so in looking back on your life you piece together moments, actions that you've taken, decisions that you've made, things that have happened to you. And it kind of, the, the puzzle starts to take shape. And so, you know, I think about things like, you know, I think an obvious example is, you know, Esther and David going to California. That's a big, big move, right? And, uh, you know, Emily, you know, you studying what you're studying and Daniel and Josh, you guys change jobs. Uh, Gloria, you're doing, uh, you're, you're pursuing creative writing. All these things that you're doing, I, I have confidence or I have to believe that when you look back on these moments, you know, 20, 30, 40 years from now, you, you, hopefully there'll be some perspective that these things that you've done are pieces of a greater puzzle which ultimately leads to uh, understanding yourself better 
And Simon, I like the way that you said it, that, uh, you know, calling is really, you know, living, you know, being the people that we're called to be, uh, you know, aligning us, uh, understanding who we are. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that's the ultimate calling. So I, I think the pursuit should be, um, you know, knowing, knowing oneself, right? And then that, that leads to um, having that intimate relationship with God and leads to kind of unfolding that calling. So I, I think a lot of it, it really is um, connecting the dots in hindsight. But everything that we're doing, uh, you know, almost every day, it, it, it forms part of that. Right. So uh, as you're living your day to day, we don't necessarily know, am I, is this part of my calling or all that, but that's not the important thing. Uh, the important thing just is uh, reflecting honestly, what's going on in my heart? Uh, am I feeling uh, at peace where I am kind of thing? Because I agree with John, uh, the clarity kind of comes later on. I'll give you a very concrete example, right? Yeah, like I've done, I've had very random career experiences, right? And I didn't know why. Like, for example, like number one, why was I so, I was like, why am I so interested in black people? You know, why am I reading all about like these like civil rights things and black liberation theology? And then, and then, and then I was like, why did I become a criminal lawyer? Why am I like uh, all into these charter rights, like uh, of like police, like random stopping these black people and all that stuff like that? And then, and then I was like, um, then feel, and then theologically, I'm like, why am I so into theology and all this kind of stuff? And then it just seemed so disconnected, all of these things, right? But then, um, this is just one example. But then, you know, when when the pandemic hit, and then, uh, you know, George Floyd happened, and all the Black Lives Matter. It's it's almost like for me, at least, like these kind of worlds all came coming together, right? And actually, a lot of my pastoral peers, they didn't have the the pre-existing language and concepts of all these issues to like make theological sense out of them whereas like uh, that's when i was able to kind of bring it together theologically even you know and as a church how do we respond to these issues um uh, and be a true biblical witness and, and all that stuff right so that's just one example you never know uh somehow god is able to take uh everything that we're experiencing um as part of your life's path um and calling we just don't know right now uh how it fits in but somehow god is able to do that yeah uh reverend kim has used an analogy you know uh you know tapestry right uh when you look at the front it's like a beautiful picture uh but when you look at the back of it actually it's just a bunch of loose threads random threads right that's all you see and uh, when we look at our lives uh, in the moment, that's what it looks like. Just a bunch of random threads. Oh, this happened to me. I experienced this. I did this. Uh, it doesn't make sense. But somehow later on, when we, uh, there will be a picture uh, that, that forms. So the important question for each moment, though, is just, am I really listening to what's going on within me? You know, uh, is there a voice telling me that something's not right? Uh, or uh, am I really listening to these voices? You know, so moment by moment, am I really reflecting deeply? That's the important thing for us to do as we're living day to day, right? Anyways, yeah. Is there any other uh, uh, reflections or thoughts? 
method. Well, just to kind of finish off your thought there around being intuitive and being aware of our of what's happening in our hearts. Our heart can be deceitful, right? And it can fool us as well. So upon inspection of their internal thoughts or feelings or the, the, the voices in our heart, if you want to put it that way, I think having a maybe a standard to to maybe not a standard, but something something to match it against these thoughts, these voices to see if it's honoring of, right? Uh, because I mean, we listen listen to our own hearts and our own desires. <laughs> I mean, how, I mean, we could only imagine where that goes. So just just throwing that out there. Yeah. You are right. The heart is deceitful. That's why our heart, that's why we need to, like the psalmist uh, prayed, ask God to test our hearts, right? Yeah. But that, that, and so that happens uh, over a long period of time. It's hard to, to know your heart right away, to understand it. We might think we do, but we could be deceiving ourselves too, right? So it's, it's a process. But God is faithful, you know, over time, God does reveal more and more, right? And that's the joy of the spiritual journey. That's the process of it. 